Welcome to Europarama, podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Are We Europe, the podcasting family and magazine which collectively asks the question what it means to be European. My name is Giuseppe Porcaro and I am the author of Disco Sour, a novel about Europe and democracy in the age of the algorithms. And in each episode, I talk to a fellow writer and together we will explore and create a fictional future scenario for the old continent. The idea of the series is really to take science fiction as a tool to explore multiple narratives for the future of Europe and also to consider storytelling as a tool to create spaces for a European imagination. I strongly believe that the future of the continent is not a one-way direction and actually science fiction can raise awareness that our own choices and the political choices that we have in front of us determine our future. Also, and this is very important as a caveat, fiction is not prediction. So this is not a podcast by futurologists, this is a podcast by creative writers who are using science fiction to imagine different kind of futures. Today, I'm happy to host Dave Atchison. Hello, Dave. Hi, Giuseppe. Interesting story here is that uh, Dave has been writing extensively about world building in, of Europe in, in a science fiction uh, and speculative fiction scenario. In his uh, fragmented Europe series, today we're going to explore and dive deep into the world that he has already created. Dave is a, is a writer from Sheffield, born in Sheffield in England, and he had a lot of experience from uh, America, I mean, American studies at the University of Nottingham, then he moved into journalism, and uh, if I'm not uh, mistaken, by the age of 21, he published four books of short stories. Right, Dave? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, the Fragmented Europe series is composed by four books, and uh, starting with the um, Europe in Autumn, which was published in 2014, then he went through Europe at Midnight, and uh, Europe in Winter, and the last to be published just uh, end of last year was uh, Europe at Dawn. Before we... we uh, we dive into the world. I mean, I'm very much one of, of your admirer when I started to write Disco Sour because you were really one of the few fiction writers that uh, took Europe as really uh, the centerpiece of, of their setting and uh, the, the operation that you do with this series. is It's very interesting because uh, it goes from geopolitics, spy story to, to science fiction to, to almost fantasy, uh, all mixing up uh, uh, genres and and, uh, and words and stories. So it's super rich and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be with you uh, for this episode to, to show and, and, uh, and, and explore with, uh, with our listeners about that. So uh, also the fact that uh, I'm, I'm so excited about that makes it a little bit difficult to start and find, um, let's say, a starting point for, for describing that word uh, that you created in, um, in, that, uh, in that series. So... I basically just just uh, give you uh, 
give you the floor and ask uh, what uh, what are the premises of, of this word and and a little bit like let's let's try to work work through uh, that that um, that word building that you uh, that you have done and then I will have also some more questions afterwards about about how it came together and you know many many other aspects that are linked to this yeah I um, I always i always wanted to write um an espionage thriller I'm, I'm, a, i'm a huge fan of spy novels and uh i wanted to write something like that um but i am a science fiction writer so i i thought i thought i would set it you know a, a few years in the future um and the the sort of the, the classical playground of the the espionage novel is europe So I set the story in Europe, and um, again, one of the classical tropes of, of espionage fiction is it's all about crossing borders, and it's all about uh, going places where you shouldn't do to find things that you shouldn't have. Yeah, some very James Bond kind of. Yeah, uh, James Bond, Le Carre, um, Len Dayton. Um, and you can't really do that in Europe at the moment because of Schengen. Well, you know, you can, you can drive from Spain to, I don't know, the, the border of Ukraine without stopping, without having to, to, to go through border, border checks. So I, uh, I had to have some kind of pretext for this future Europe to have borders again. Um, and I, I came up with a, a flu pandemic and the, the refugee crisis and economic, various economic crises as reasons for um, frontiers being re-established and border wire going up again. And you wrote this before Brexit, right? Yes, yes. It was... Uh, I mean, I, I started writing it in, I don't know, um, the 1990s, the early 1990s. Oh, wow. And I... I, I but I, I wasn't doing it all the time. I was sort of writing, you know, a few paragraphs or a chapter and then putting it away for months on end. So it was, it was coming, it was coming together over a long period. And then, you know, your first premise was to reestablish borders in this new Europe or like future Europe, but then something much more complex came into, into play, you know, I mean, it's like there are borders, but there are also like uh, a lot of polities, like you multiply the borders. So to a certain extent to, to almost like uh, neighbors or like buildings level, it's, it's kind of amazing the, the kind of multiplicity of, of uh, polities that you, that you describe in, uh, in your, um, in your book. And there is also one, one centerpiece that I was particularly struck is about this idea of, um, One, the idea of trains and the train line, you know, like uh, what exactly you try to do with this train line that, that uh, crosses and, and, and cuts the continent in two? What was your, your idea uh, around that? The, the, line, the line was really, it started out as a joke. It was just a, 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 a two or three paragraph joke. Um, just a little reminder that this is not the present day that this is sometime in the future and there are weird things going on but as the um as the books have gone along the lines become more and more more important um it became quite popular with readers what is exactly the line the li the line is um 
the line is a railway line uh, which runs from the Iberian Peninsula to the Pacific coast of uh, the Russian Far East. Uh, it's one of the, the, the last great engineering um, projects of the European era before the EU actually starts to fall to pieces in the book. And it's it's funded by a sort of a shadowy cabal of kleptocrats and uh, what have you. Nobody knows quite who's who's funded it, but one, the moment it's finished, it, it declares its independence. It declares that it's a sovereign nation. So basically, there is a, a railway line which is an, indep- a, an indep- a country, an independent state. An independent state, yeah. And I th- I I just did it because I thought it was funny. It was a it was a kind of a joke, um, and it really was just a, a page in in autumn in the first book that I thought. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of light-hearted. It's it's amusing, but it, as the books went on, um, it kind of picked up more and more significance. And I, mean, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but it's actually quite an important part of the story. And it became very popular. It seemed to catch people's imaginations. Yeah, of course, because first of all, one train line that goes from one side of the continent to the other, it's like a little bit Jules Verne, a little bit, uh, you know, it, it, it tickles the, the imagination of people. But on the other hand, it's also like geopolitically interesting, like a train line that becomes an independent state. Well, you know, in the book I've got... I've got um a couple of apartment blocks in Berlin which declared themselves an independent state. Uh, a, a very, very small part of, of um, Potsdam declares itself an anarchist nation. <laughs> uh, and I was, I was just kind of playing around with the idea of micronations and uh, these you know, mi- microstates. Um, and I thought the, the idea that the line actually has the longest ball anywhere on earth because it stretches all the way across the continent from you know the atlantic to the pacific and i was kind of tickled by that and um i started playing around with the idea and it 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 became as i say it became a bit a larger and larger part of the subsequent books and the subsequent story um and it's fun you know it's, it's fun the, the the trains kind of became a, a motif for the books Um, they, they, they took on much, much more importance than I originally intended. The other part that I found it quite interesting in, in the word that you, um, that you describe is the actual organization that is trying to cross borders, you know, and, and smuggle things. And you, you, you take this, um, uh, this sort of, uh, almost secret organization, which is actually like a postal service. That's a mixture of things. There's a, a Thomas Pynchon novel called the, the Crying of Lot 49, which features a secret postal service called the Tristero, which I was always very intrigued with. And um, it, the, there's a mixture of that and MI6 and the CIA and courier firms. And also, and it, it almost looks to me a little bit like the, the um, it's some sort of uh, organization that, uh, to a certain extent, wants to uh, preserve the spirit of of, of the um, 
exchanges within the continent, you know, continue the continent to, um, to, to a certain extent to, to, they, to... They, they very much, they want to continue the spirit of Schengen. They don't yeah. like the idea of borders. Exactly. Uh, uh, so I, I, the, the, the idea of borders kind of offends them as it, as it offends me. So they are a little bit like the heroes of, uh, of the world series to a certain extent. Uh, it's a bit more complicated than that. <laughs> of course, we uh, don't want to make spoilers, uh, uh, I know, but, but uh, we, can, we can give out a little bit of things, you know, just a little bit. At the beginning, certainly. Their, their hearts are in the right place. Right, uh, right. Put it like that. They're, they're on the side of the angels. I see, I see. Um, the other thing that, that strikes me about, about the series is that at some point you totally flip the whole world building, you know, like for, for long part, uh, especially of the first book, you, it really looks like, uh, like some sort of dystopia with uh, elements of spy story. You have the borders, you have the European Union, which is crumbling or crumbled already. I, I like the fact that somehow the way you describe the European Union imploding, it's also somehow without any kind of formal declaration of its inexistence. So somehow, you know, it's like it still exists somehow, like on the paper, but actually it's not enforced or like doesn't doesn't really work anymore. Yeah, in the, in the original, in the first book, there, there, there are still some countries which are in a form of EU. I mean, England, which is, England, Scotland has become independent in the book and so has Wales. Um, so England is still part of the EU, or maybe they're not. There's a kind of question. There's a question in the book whether the English know whether they want to, whether they're in the EU or not. Um, so, so I mean, and and there is a kind of there's still a, uh, a bureaucracy there, um, um, uh, a mechanism. Yeah, there, there's the uh, some sort of administration in place. Yeah, there, there, there's there's still something there, but it's not it's not the the EU EU that we know now. And. Um, The other thing, and that's what I say, like uh, you, it, it, it almost looks like, as I say, near future, there's, there's like the, the borders and so on. But then at some point, uh, there is like a, a new element that, that comes into place, which is like some sort of a alternative dimension. And you don't really know which dimension is, uh, is the, you know, like it's, it's some parallel words uh, over there. And then there is a, a new Europe, which is basically... Uh, Some, some form of, 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 uh, of extended uh, England, if I'm, not, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I, I, at, at a certain point in the book, I, I needed something. The, the, the book was going fine, but it was getting a bit dull. It was all about the adventures of this uh, coureur, this uh, sort of amateur spy. And if I'd written the whole book like that, it would have been all right, but it would have been a bit dull. So I, I needed at some point for the book to take an, a right turn. You know, it had, to, it had to do something completely different. And I had an old short story hanging around. Um, and I, I cut and pasted that into the, into the book. And it seemed to work. So I, I went back through the book and I kind of retrofitted everything to make it fit. And that's how the, the community, the, um, this, this parallel universe started. Um, and it's only, it only comes into the, the first book 
towards the end. It's kind of it's the, the MacGuffin, the mysterious thing that, that everybody has been running around looking for. Um, but in the second book, in Europe at Midnight, it becomes much more uh, a kind of a parody of England. It's, it's the sort of uh, the England that uh, UKIP would like. Uh, but but some sort of uh, kind of colo- colonialism uh, extended uh, to the the whole continent. Some sort well, yeah, like, I mean, this is this is a, this is a, a continent where maybe we can explain a little bit, like uh, for for the listeners that haven't read it, uh, what exactly the community is. I mean, what 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 is the concept? The, the community that? is a parallel universe which is created by a 17th century family of English map makers. Um, and I don't really go into how they did it because I'm not quite sure myself but um, they, they created this kind of alternative Europe and then they went out and they colonized it so by the time we get to the, the end of this century <clears throat> you have a, a, a continent which is basically just peopled by Englishmen and it's awful the co- it's, a commun- it's the community in the sense that is, uh, it's like There are no borders there, but basically it's like just England. It's just England and it's terrible. <laughs> the, the, the food is really bad, it's dull, it's boring. It's, it's, like, it's like England was in the 1950s. You know, and it's, but it's, it's, basically a, it's basically a dictatorship. But everybody, everybody is so content there that they can't be bothered to, to overthrow it. And they have nuclear weapons and they have biological weapons and uh, they, they've been keeping an eye on our Europe for, for centuries and they may have bad intent towards us or they may not. It's, it's not quite clear. Yeah, a little bit the villain, the villain of the situation. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. They, but they, they, on the surface, they look really dull and boring and they, you know, they, they just like, not interesting at all but un- underneath they are really quite dangerous so basically i i i like a lot the um, the fact that you basically uh, within the same frame you you manage not only to create one vision of alternate uh, europe you you create several and multiple ones you know that's uh, that that's quite incredible uh, from a, from from the point of view of the world building and then then you make these two words interacting with each other and um, and then you have these concepts that grows and grows like you have already the concept of of the different polities but then you have uh, the line and the, the, the line as such it looks to me already like just just uh, in itself a vision of, of Europe something that is uh, you know very uh, to a certain extent very uh, kind of craftwork i mean it, it reminds me trans europe express and stuff like that yeah there is there is there is actually a chapter in one of the one of the later books called trans europe express i did i did nick the title what is really interesting in this uh to me it's uh, on, on one side all how these these different universes fall into pieces together but also And, and this is also very much the, the a little bit the goal of of, uh, of our podcast is to is to see how in the creative process basically you manage to do back and forth from other kind of inspirations or from from the actual reality of uh, of what is going on in Europe and um, and build it up uh, so so maybe 
it could be interesting to explore a little bit more about this aspect about how I mean you entered at some stuff like the UKIP England uh, extended to the whole continent in the community I mean uh, but but it would be interesting to 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 hear a little bit more about if you had more of those um, or those connections with with what's going on in in the actual geopolitics and political reality of the continent yeah the uh, the the first two books really weren't they didn't really reflect the geopolitical reality of the world. It was just something I made up. Uh, UKIP had been going in this country for quite a long time, so you know it was it was easy for me to parody them into into the community. Um, Europe at Midnight came out of it came out the year of the EU referendum. In fact, it may have come out just before the referendum, I'm not sure, or just after. Um, and since then, I've been kind of running to keep up. Um, Europe, European Winter is really a, a, it's a, it's a sequel to European Autumn. The, 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 the structure of the books is a bit complicated, but um, basically, European, European Winter is the, the sequel to European Autumn. And it's less about sort of geopolit geopolitical realities as it is about personal relationships and um, family relationships and stuff like that. But by the time we got to <clears throat> Europe at dawn, I, I really wanted to do something about the, the refugee crisis and something about Southern Europe as well, because the 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 Europe books are mostly about uh, northern and, and central Europe and, East, and eastern Europe so I, I there is a chapter about the the refugee crisis and the the, the, the state of um, the the Mediterranean countries um, and I had this kind of vision of, of the EU of, of the countries in northern Europe kind of using the countries of southern Europe as a firebreak to to keep the the refugees coming from sub-Saharan Africa into Europe, and basically you've got a situation where nobody is really in charge of anything, and you have a, a humanitarian catastrophe going on, um, much worse than it is now. I'm 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 not terribly pleased with the way the EU actually has dealt with the refugee crisis in the past and I wanted to kind of reflect that um, that disquiet that we, we haven't really been as humane as we could be um, towards the crisis but that was really that was really the only conscious decision I made to, to mirror you know uh, real life reality because once we got to Brexit, once we got to this fiasco which is going on at the moment, I'd, I'd already said what I, I had to say about it. Um, what we're going through at the moment in this country is, you know, it's impossible to describe in, in fiction at all. Nobody would believe this. If I'd, if, I'd if I'd written this as a novel and tried to submit it five years ago, I would have been arrested. Yeah, people wouldn't believe that. Uh, not even not even in science fiction thing. This no. is a joke. They would yeah. say, yeah. "Absolutely, it's, it's just beyond, it's just beyond words." But I, I'd already sort of 
I'd already had a run at that. And as, as I say, European Winter is more about it's more a personal story about the characters. And uh, Dawn, I, I really wanted to sort of redress this balance and talk about Southern Europe and about the refugee crisis. Some, some, somehow. Just uh, also without really uh, big spoilers and as a, as a final touch in the world building, in this imagined Southern Europe, me coming from Italy, uh, originally I'm kind of curious as well and I, I haven't read Dawn yet, I have to admit. And, um, and actually, I, I mean, I'm curious a little bit about uh, beside the refugee crisis, is there any other geopolitical reality that you imagined in um, in, in the book that uh, that could be uh, interesting to mention here? I hadn't actually described it in the book, but I always imagined that Italy had split up into several states. Um, Venice actually becomes an independent city-state in in Europe in U- Europe at dawn, um, and I always kind of imagine this splitting into north and south at some point, but I, I never actually described that in the book. It was just kind of in my own head while I was writing. Great. Well, Dave, this is um, this is very uh, very interesting to, to dive into the world of the Fragmented Europe series. Thank you for listening to Europarama. You can check out more episodes and the other shows of the Are We Europe podcasting family in the channel of Simplecast and on the website of Are We Europe. Also, you will find more detailed information and links about what we have been discussing in the show notes. In the next episode, I will be joined by Joana Bertolo from Portugal. With Joana, we will imagine what might happen to coastal cities in the Mediterranean if half of southern Europe will be flooded by rising waters due to climate change. Looking forward to that discussion. Until next time, bye-bye.